Hi, I'm Clint Hardy. And I'm Jody Koch. We've been middle school choir directors for well over a decade, and I've learned a lot through trial and error. We're here on a mission to create community, culture, and confidence among fellow middle school choir teachers. We want to share in your joys, validate your concerns, but also give you practical teaching advice each week. And let's just be real. We're here to take you through the mishaps, mistakes, and middle school drama that we all experience. Welcome to the Choir Chronicles. Well, hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the Choir Chronicles. I'm Jody Koch. And I'm Clint Hardy. And today we're really excited to talk about something that has helped both of our programs so much, and that is building a voice lesson studio within your school. So, Clint, why don't you start us off on kind of how we do this in like the metropolitan areas of Texas. What are we talking about here? Sure. So we have voice teachers that we contract out to come into our large schools, um, but it could be in a small school as well, um, to come in and teach privately to students. Now, typically like our districts in the DFW area or the metropolitan Houston area within Texas they set rules of their own like we're gonna set the rate so that like our district sets the rate at this much per Mm -hmm. lesson what is it like 22 per 30 minute lesson right now yeah it's between 20 and 22 is like kind of the standard for schools so yes it's a little bit different than like a, a voice teaching teaching privately out of their own home yes that would be like 60 to 100 dollars per hour usually yes the advantage of doing it this way within a school is that like okay well you're getting to like fill your day with students that take voice lessons whereas you can't necessarily do that as a voice teacher when you're at home all day because kids are in school right and to be clear they're being pulled out for like 30 minutes or half of a class period of choir. We're talking about pulling them out of their choir class that's already built into their day. Absolutely. Or um, sometimes you could pull them out of like a homeroom. We call it advisory here. Mm -hmm. I know it's called many different things in the United States. Huddle in my school. Yeah. So if you have a teacher, like a great homeroom teacher, that's like, oh yeah, like once a week they can come out for their 25 minute lesson. Right. Not a problem. I encourage you to, mm-hmm. to do that as well if a kid doesn't necessarily want to miss choir, maybe. Mm-hmm. You know, that's definitely an option that you could do. Yeah, off-season athletics. Like, the theater teacher is one of my best friends at our school, so every once in a while I've been like, okay, we're full right now in this kid's class. Is there any way on Thursdays for the last half of class they could come take their lessons? So sometimes you have some more flexibility. Before or after school. Yes. And all of this, of course, depends on the availability of the voice teacher. Yes. So, okay, let's talk about finding these wonderful humans that want to be in a tiny room with our middle school students for, you know, all day long. Tell me, how do you find these wonderful people? I mean, it's, it's a little difficult, to be honest. Um, so when I started here at Trinity Springs, I just put a feeler out on Facebook and mm-hmm. was like, hey, does anybody know a great voice teacher? Please let me know. Um, I did my very first voice teacher interview over the phone Yeah, <laughs> and I would like, it went well and I'm glad that I ended up hiring her. Um, mm-hmm. and by the middle of the first semester, that first year that I was here, I needed to hire someone else. So I put out another feeler and right. got, I did a, like an in-person interview this time. Mm-hmm. And I think it's really important that the voice teacher shares 
a, the same vision as you for the program okay. um, because ultimately they're coming in to better your kids and ultimately your program. Well, and let me ask you to elaborate on that because having the same vision, well, I find that a lot of voice teachers that we hired, they're your like bachelor's and master's in vocal performance. They're not like a music ed nerd like we are. So, I mean, I don't necessarily find that they come in with any kind of vision. They're almost learning it from me. So how do you find that? Or do you, are you looking for someone moldable that you could say, here's what we're all about? Absolutely. Like I'll ask in a voice teacher interview, can you please describe to me what a great middle school, let's just say seventh grade trouble tone is? Mm -hmm. Because I want to know if they can listen and say, oh yeah. yeah it's airy, you know, like, yes. because that is typical. I Low don't, dryers. Mm -hmm. I've had voice <laughs> teachers come in and say, oh, they're going to have a lot of vibrato and spin. And I'm like, I don't know where you've been teaching, yeah. but like, that's not a typical seventh grade trouble no. tone. Uh, you do have those anomalies where kids right. do have that. But like, it's very rare. rare. Yeah. Yeah. So it, having somebody that wants to come in and like, take direction. Mm -hmm. um, I also tell them like, hey, just expect that within the first five weeks of school, I'm probably going to come observe you teach two lessons. Okay. Uh, because I want to come in and see how you're doing. Yeah. And also if you're new at this and you have no way of knowing um, if you're doing things correctly or should I have right. feedback, because you're alone, yes. you're a private voice lessons teacher, like no one's in the room with you, but that kid so no other adult is going, oh, hey, you should think about doing it this way. Right. Whereas in our classrooms, we have people come in and give us suggestions all, all the time. time. And it's also true, like, okay, someone who's getting, I've had multiple, like, DMA students, like, doctorate students in vocal performance. But like you said, that does not mean you have any idea how to teach a sixth grade student how, like, we're talking about just basics of posture and vowels, and we are not, like spinning tone and talking about their passaggio okay like they're prepubescent a lot of times so yeah that's a really good point like hey i can help you even though maybe i don't have an advanced degree in voice i do understand how to teach the youngsters the little babies i also the very first question i ask every person in an interview is describe to me what your very first lesson with a kid looks like okay and the answer that i'm looking for is well, I'm going to sit down and talk to them and get to know them mm -hmm. and do a little bit of singing. Preach. But you want to know who that kid is a little yeah. bit. You're not jumping in and being like, oh, by the way, do all of these things. Let's sing. Yes. Because you never, you don't have that relationship built. Right. You, you need to know a little bit about them before you get going. Yes. And so sometimes I've come across voice teachers that I'm like, oh my God, you are like, perfect but yeah. you answered this question very oddly mm -hmm. i don't hold it against them more so i use it as an opportunity to say hey you answered it this way however i think for you and knowing our kids you should do this yeah um and i really not just think you should i need you to yes. do it you because know? i mean like they're contracted but they're a part of 
your program. Like mm -hmm. they're working with us on a collaborative team and we happen to be at the top of that trickling down going, okay, here's what we're working toward. And um, we may have already, we may get this to this a little more later, but we talk about here's what you're working toward. We give them the whole year and say, okay, here are the benchmarks, the performances that you're gonna be teaching. Don't just expect them to come in and work on like vocal technique and like, you know, singing one note from piano to forte and back like, okay, blah, 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 but you need to teach them a folk song or a winter song or something. Or... Work on their all region music. Yes, You have exactly. to get to the content as well. The whole lesson yeah. can't be like we're in a college yes. voice studio. It's boring and ineffective and spinning wheels. So, mm -hmm. And then talk to me about like what would be some toxic traits. Like if you have to quickly size someone up in an interview, because sometimes we only meet with these um, candidates for like 30 minutes at a time. Are there some things for you that, because you've interviewed more voice teachers than I have, because Clint has more on his campus. I usually have between one and three at a time, or as Clint has about five yeah, on average. Between four to six on average. Okay, yeah. four mm -hmm. to six. And so, yeah, tell me, are there like toxic traits or things that come out to you? I mean, I think it comes a little bit with my personality. I t typically can read people pretty well. Um, if you start getting the feeling in an interview that someone is going to be a little hoity-toity, mm. um, and they hold a little bit of air um, in the in a in a certain way of like oh I'm only going to teach this type of kid mm -hmm. like no you're not gonna have a studio full of only the top varsity treble and varsity tenor bass kids like that's just not feasible yeah it's also limiting yourself like if someone comes in and asks that that's that's an issue mm -hmm. that's like a a core teacher walking in and telling the principal as a first year teacher, I'm only going to teach pre-AP kids. Yes, right. Yeah. Like, that's not... No on-level, no SPED. Yeah, that's true. No. That's you... very true. If you get the sense that maybe someone is not going to be a team player, mm -hmm. like, oh, they really want to just stick to their own thing and they don't want to collaborate, that's a red flag for right, me. Right. I want someone who's going to collaborate with the other voice teachers and... You know, like our current voice teachers have a group text thread mm -hmm. like, where they ask each other questions yeah. and they're, they're kind of each other's first line of defense. Mm -hmm. Like they, they ask each other things first and if they can't figure it out, they'll come to us, Yes, which is totally fine. And I, I want that to be the case because we're all so extremely busy juggling so many things yes. that you can set out fires on your own. Mm -hmm. Awesome. Yeah, because a lot of our voice teachers, they either have small children at home or they're working on a degree at the same time and they're juggling their last year of their master's degree or they are at multiple campuses. They may be at our campus three days a week and maybe a high school two days a week. So, yeah, they do have a lot going on. But it is funny how, like, after a few months, every voice teacher I've ever had has started to, like, it makes me feel bad, like, tiptoe around me, like, hey, Jody, is I've got a question because they start realizing we're running like a corporation. They start going, oh, my gosh, they are so busy and they feel bad sometimes asking. So I think that's great. Like the, the group text or just like if you include them in like your weekly team meeting or biweekly team meeting or just send them in. Like I include mine on my Monday morning. I'll be like this crazy week at Hillwood usually is what I say. And it's between the fifth and sixth grade campus when I used to share an assistant with the high school because I'm like so many people need to know. So I think that's great. Also, another huge thing is poor voice teachers never, ever, ever get told there's an assembly schedule today. There's an hour lunch. All the eighth graders are gone. It's state testing. 
like all the time they are not told these things so part of like clint and i are both so ocd type a organized um that we do give them those things but like my school for example we run a bunch of different bell schedules we have a hangout schedule an hour lunch schedule we have a lot of things that the kids can earn like where they get out of class like we have like surprise recess where if they have no missings in the grade book then or if they're wearing a certain shirt they can go outside for 15 minutes and it's like okay and here's your voice teacher in the middle of you know minute 12 of 26 of a lesson so you've just really got to communicate with them like when those things are going to happen when it's not worth their time some of them are driving 30 minutes or they're in lieu of having another job they're working for you and not getting insurance and you know the contract thing so they do yeah. so that way that they're having a great time i try to express to the voice teachers like these kids will want to take voice lessons from you if it's an environment and then a place where they, they want to be very true um and especially if they're getting pulled from choir to have their lesson yeah. which they really love being in choir yes they love choir you want to make sure that it's something oh okay mm -hmm. even though i have a voice lesson like i enjoy going into right. this room i enjoy you that's awesome and it's more enjoying the voice teacher than yeah. it is maybe the lesson they have to have a connection especially and at middle school level yes absolutely they don't know they don't know what they care about yet like we're introducing them to a list of things that you may possibly care about mm -hmm. and private voice instruction is probably not one of them <laughs> and then finally on this first topic for finding great voice teachers one thing i did when i first started at my current school at hillwood almost nine years ago is I emailed, we have two, two or three, well, we have a lot of local universities, but I emailed my alma mater, the University of North Texas, caca, and um, then TCU, Texas Christian. My yes. alma mater. Although he has a degree from UNT, so I don't know. But um, I emailed the chairs of the voice department there because I knew them. And I was like, hey, I'm looking for a voice teacher. Well, I had like six or seven people email me and these are like masters and doctorate voice students from all over the country and the world i had a married taiwanese couple be my voice teachers for a few years and um they both are professors at in louisiana now so i'm very proud of them but yeah i had so many people reach out because it may just seem like oh it's just middle school voice lessons but when you are moving here and you're trying to find some way to make money that's not like working at mickey d's or you know working starbucks. the night shift yeah. although i'd love to work at starbucks but <laughs> you know so that was a great thing to do is just reach out find out who the chair of voice is and then they just blasted it out because of course they want their students to get hired they look good if their kid is or their you know adult is teaching and doing things like that so that's just a suggestion okay so now let's move on to encouraging kids to take voice talk to me about how you go about getting your students interested clint and then i'll tell you mine this is goes back to like when i'm voice testing kids like i have a little chart going of like ooh, mm -hmm. i really think this kid needs to be pulled and this is also why i think it's really important to hear kids individually because you can like directly say this is what i love about your yes. voice um i love to pick up the phone and call their parents oh yes. and say mr and mrs smith hey i really think that johnny needs to be in voice lessons he has an incredible tone and they're like johnny my little johnny exactly really? and when you can actually tell them the truth and say i heard your students yes. sing like not in a group but individually they sang 
it kind of turns the tide a little bit. Yeah. Where they're like, what? Did have no idea. Right. You know, my parents never thought I could sing. They just thought I screamed in the shower all the time. Like, (laughs) which he did. And he still does. That's true. But you know, you know, one of those things. (laughs) He just lets out all his emotion in the shower. (laughs) You know, but you want to make that personal connection. Um, and make them understand the importance that like their voice matters. Yeah. And sometimes like even kids that you're like, man, you may never make the all region choir. Or you may never do anything beyond like typical basic choir. Right. They can still find a place to be in voice lessons and still want their voice to grow. Yeah. And sometimes you're going to find kids that are just shy that are not going to volunteer and say, I think I want to do this. They right. want to internally but they're afraid to say it out loud. If you hadn't have said it to them, yeah. Then you're going to have kids that, like, absolutely will not volunteer because they have no interest in doing it, but you see their potential. Right. And you want them to take it to the next level. Right. And I've had multiple kids that were really resistant at first that I, when I contacted their parents, they're like, I'm not really sure. I'm mm-hmm. like, just trust me. Like, yeah. give it a semester or a year and, like, see how far you've come. And kids have come turned around and thanked me personally yes gone to high school and made the tmea all-state choir like when their parents coming to you like thank you i never would have in my wildest dreams thought they would stand up in front of an audience and sing a solo and you know what that right there that's enough for some of them like you have taught them to break out of their shell a little bit yes you have kids that are so extremely shy that Maybe they don't do your first recital. It's like, right. okay, you're oh, not going to do the too. winner. I'm like, just come, sweetie. Just, just come, come, listen, see watch how it everyone. goes. If yes. you're feeling like it, you can do it. If not, sit out. I didn't know you did that too. That's mm-hmm. how I've kept kids from quitting. Because they're like, absolutely not. I will absolutely not be singing on this recital. I'm like, okay, baby, come. Just come. Watch everyone else and notice how everyone else is freaking out and how they don't die mm-hmm. and no one bursts into flames yet. That's never happened. And you know, it's, I didn't know you did that too. I yeah. think that's a great, great solution. I also encourage my voice teachers to sit right in front in the center yes. with their book. Mouth the freaking words. words. If you have to give them the words, it's okay. If you are lightly singing with that kid that is just falling apart, it's okay. I don't care what grade level you teach. Yeah. It doesn't matter if they're a senior in high school. It's okay if you give them the words because most of our kids, no matter how much we want all of them to become music majors, right, right. they're not going to go and do that. No. All, some of them will, a small portion, but we want them to experience happiness and joy Success. from what they're doing. Yes. Amen. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I can't remember if I wrote this bullet point or not, Clint, but I want to say it because it's funny. I like to reiterate to my students in large groups and small, whenever I go, you should be in voice lessons. It doesn't mean like, oh, you really need to take voice lessons. <laughs> like when I tell you that, it's because I'm hearing something really beautiful and great in your voice. But it's like, it's such a funny thing to say out of context. Like you need to be in voice lessons. Like you suck really bad. Someone should teach you how to sing. No, it means I actually heard really good things in your voice. So, and if a kid takes it that way, you can always find a kid who's really incredible and that everyone knows is really good and say, Hey, so-and-so didn't I tell you that you should take voice lessons and aren't you in voice lessons now? And they say, yes. Mm -hmm. And you can say, look, are they bad? You've said right. good things about you know them before. Not. Like you, you can spin it in a way that's like, see, I'm not just yes. telling you this because of this, you know, yes. you are talented. Absolutely. 
Alrighty, so now we're going to talk about this old-fashioned thing called a phone. The phone, yeah. But not like the smartphone. Like, let's go back in time where we didn't have smartphones. This is where I am old school. Like, you, a lot of people I know prefer text me, and I'm like, I want to call. Uh-huh. I want to As talk. you can tell, as we sit here talking yeah. incessantly, <laughs> weeks and weeks in and out, yes, we like talking. Verbally explaining something for me is so much easier than writing it yes. down. And when you pick up the phone and a parent can hear the tone behind what you're saying and the, and the inflection, it's so much different than seeing it in an email. Mm. And also, there's no guarantee that parent's going to read that email. Right. Absolutely. Like, when you pick up the phone and you've got them, like, start out, Miss Coke, I heard Kennedy sing today, and whereas, yes, I know you're involved in music at church, mm-hmm. like, I want to tell you, from someone who has a degree in music that studied voice your child is incredible. Like, one of the top kids I've ever heard. And I'm just thinking, like, me hearing that for real about my daughter is, like, making me have a little bit of chills right now. I'm like, imagine if your kid's teacher called you and said that about anything. And as someone who doesn't currently have children and may never have children, I don't know what that's like. But for the listeners out there who do have kids, like, you know when someone tells you something great about your kid, it yeah. just gives you a boost. Yes. Like, so if you're doing that for someone, the likelihood of them encouraging their kid to do what you're asking is much higher. It's much higher when you've talked to them mm-hmm. on the phone. Much, much higher. Yeah. And it also gives you a chance to establish a little bit of a personal connection with that parent. Yes. And, and that's a positive connection a positive first way. before mm-hmm. you end up calling saying, hey, their cell phone is out all the time. And how many times do people, including us... Do we just pick up the phone and call parents for things that went really well in class? Yeah, not often. Not often. Not often. Most of the time, if a parent's getting a phone call, it's negative. Mm -hmm. They see those, like, area code, first three digits. Mm -hmm. They see 744. They're like, hello? No one answers the phone ever, (laughs) but they see 817744. They're like, hello? Yes. Yes. What Uh, happened? What happened with my child? And you're like, I actually just want to talk about positive things today. Like. Imagine being a parent getting that type of phone call. I know. That... And I usually go like, hey, not, this is not a bad phone call. Because I'm like, oh, God, when I get the call, what has happened? You know. I also give a little bit of my own personal story of like, sure. you know, I never got to take voice lessons until like my senior year of high school, yeah. going into college. Like, I just imagine how much further along I would have mm-hmm. been had I been taking lessons early on. Yeah. And absolutely. You can talk about how much they're going to contribute extra to the choir, but how much they're going to contribute to themselves. Yes. And a lot Confidence of it. and. Yes. Stuff that doesn't even have to do with choir or singing. Yeah. Breaking out of their shell, being up to being able to stand in front of a group of people and just talk. Yeah. If you can sing in front of a group of people, you can stand up and talk in front of a group. Absolutely. So much harder to sing. The people skills you're learning is so crucial in a voice lesson. Well, and something else I use. So um, I didn't mention this earlier, but I will have my voice teachers come sing for all the classes one day. I don't know if you do that too, or if you have, but I'll just say bring something. Usually they'll bring two things. Like they'll bring a more classical piece um even if it's like ave maria or amazing grace or something and then they'll bring maybe a musical theater piece that the kids might connect with a little more but in any case they love it and then i also have them come to our parent info night at the beginning of the year and talk and what i like to say is look if nothing else parents this is another adult who's with your child 
one-on-one investing in them for 30 minutes a week. And that is like my golden ticket phrase. And when I make those calls, like, and you know, if nothing else, that is one more adult who knows and cares about your kid. And when they come in and they're having a terrible day or there's drama going on with the choir kids or whatever, you know, I find out half the drama from my voice teacher. They're like, well, I guess something's going on today in show choir because every kid is coming and told me, you know, and so... I think that's kind of a winner statement with your parents too, because they're like, well, now that's true. That's think about our classes with big numbers, but when they're one-on-one with someone and also think about yourself, how many times have you broken down crying in front of your college voice professor or your high school? Too many, too (laughs) many, too many therapy sessions, probably for what we were paying for that. But, you know, I think that's a big selling point as well. And then you were going to talk about like getting paid to sing in college. Right. That's another thing that you can bring up is like, there are colleges out there who will pay you even just a little bit to come sing in their Mm -hmm. college choir. And you don't even have to major in music. Mm -hmm. But if you're that far along in voice lessons or you audition for your college choir and they Mm -hmm. like your voice and you're like, oh, I did all of these things in middle school and high school, including take private voice, like you're more likely going to have that chance of going and singing in a choir or getting paid to sing in a choir. Like a smaller school for sure. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so we've touched a little bit on recruiting. Like I talked about having the voice teacher sing in class because then we'll be like, who wants to take a form? And they're all like me, you know, because they've heard this giant voice in front of them singing. And we talked about making the phone calls. Um, We've talked about having them speak at your parent info night. So what are some other ways that you help recruit kids to take lessons? Sure. So like when they make the all region choir, their name goes on a plaque Mm -hmm. that's in a perpetual plaque that's engraved. And I talk about how the voice teachers go and help them achieve that Mm -hmm. goal of making the all region choir. And kids love seeing their name on anything. Mm -hmm. And so having something forever engraved on a plaque is important to some some kids right it may not appeal to everybody yeah. but it's gonna Something. appeal to a wide range of sure. middle school age children for sure and i was that kid in high school that was like oh i want that yeah you know like I want my name there i want my name everywhere yeah you know like <laughs> that's that's who i was as a kid you know <clears throat> um you can also make it into a competition a little bit of like ooh, i want to see how many percentage wise yes. what class could get the most kids enrolled yes. in voice lessons yes and Um, or even just like willing to take, you know, anything that you can do to make it a little bit more competitive, Mm -hmm. especially with the tenor bass choir. Yes. Um, And make everything a competition. Everything. Walking in the room can be a competition. Are you breathing correctly? Yes. Are you silent? Mm -hmm. You know, competition. uh, We'll play the quiet game today. Yes. You know, anything that you can do to make it a little bit more appealing for them in ways that maybe don't even have to do with music itself absolutely will help the kids be encouraged to take yes and so let's get into a little bit to equitability of this because we are talking about something that's optional that costs money and you know everything costs money things are really hard nowadays and they always have been but man i mean we're all feeling it right now post-covid inflation and when the kid gets in middle school like Every corner you turn, you're getting nickeled and dimed for all these extra things. And your kids want the stuff. Like, I struggle with that as a parent. Like, I, you know, okay, now we need the $40 backpack. Now we need the $40 um, yearbook. Now we need to donate a book to the library with your name in it for $25. And it's just like, you want your kids to have these things. But gosh, 
you know, where, where do you draw the line? So let's talk about affordability, equitability. Absolutely. And we would be lying if we said, oh, everybody can do this. Like, mm-hmm. not everybody can do this. Mm-hmm. And listeners, how many of you are sitting here listening going, there's no way I could do yeah, this? Yeah, I would never be able to do this. Never, never in a million years. My kids can't afford it. My kids can't do this. We thought the same thing, too. Yes. And there are going to be times when you run into that where a kid just cannot do it. Sure. But if you have money in your activity fund or in your budget, you could create a small portion of that to go to scholarships. Mm -hmm. You can also ask voice teachers like, look, hey, for every so many kids that I give you that are paying you typically, I'm going to have to give you a kid that's on scholarship. Yes. For example, for every 10 kids, so let's say they're making $20 an hour or not an hour, a lesson. Awesome. So like a 30 minute. So I, you have 10 students. I'd like you to teach one through nine for the $20 a lesson. And then 10, could you please either give them 50% off or they pay $5 a lesson or, or whatever it is. That's one way you could do it or just a full scholarship. Yeah. I mean, I sent out a survey to the kids who say like, I'm interested, but I have financial concerns mm-hmm. where it's like, okay, if they're $20 a lesson and um, they're taking four times a month. That's $80. Mm-hmm. So in an $80 a month, I can only pay $60. Oh, yeah. Okay. Well, that's Great. not bad. Uh, I might only be able to pay 40. Yeah. Half. I might only be able to pay 20. Yeah. One lesson. Or like I always give them the option, like none of these options work for our family. Yeah. And like I have that conversation with mm-hmm. a voice lessons teacher that's like, look, I need you to teach this kid. I can't guarantee you exactly how much I'm going mm-hmm. to give you at the end of each semester, Like, but you will get something. Yes. And it's going to fluctuate depending on how much we raise because a portion of the money that we can raise for our um, fundraisers mm-hmm. throughout the year can go can towards go to scholarship. And one way that I get around it too is by I will go ahead and make my voice teachers a vendor with the district and mm-hmm. I'll put them on contract for the year. So say I put you know, $500 for this, you know, $50 an hour or something like that. And I will be able to pay them at for master classes. And that's what I'll call it. So if I am doing, if they're teaching a lesson, I'm paying them to do master classes with certain talented and hardworking students, and then I can pay them. Now, of course, we're not going to use like a huge bulk of our activity money and fundraising money for that one child. It needs to be equitable. It needs to be spread around, but that's another way Also, I do allow shared lessons as a scholarship. We always get asked, do you have a scholarship? The high schools in our district have scholarships. So a lot of times I have kids who have a big brother or sister and they're like, can we get the scholarship form? And I'm like, ha ha ha. Because we can't have booster clubs at our level middle school in our district, like an outside club where parents raise money and do things where they can basically write the check for you and you work together with those parents. We can't do that at a middle school level. So what I like to say is, you know, we can't have scholarships because we don't have a booster club. However, if if there's another student in that class that puts, they would like shared lessons, well, it's only $10 a week. So $40 a month for that kiddo. And then you're, you know, kind of hitting two birds with one stone um, and making that work out. Absolutely. Um, you can also have kids that want to take voice lessons that need a scholarship, I have them write an essay. Mm-hmm. Like they have to put forth effort. Yeah. Um, do you really I, want this? Do you, yeah, how badly and why do you, mm-hmm. why do you want to improve your voice That's is great. what I ask the kids. Yeah. Um, and I also make it clear with the parents that like, if your student is going to be put on scholarship, 
they must audition for all region. Yeah. They must sing in all three recitals, compete in solo mm-hmm. contests. Like these types of things aren't optional because that's what's required when it comes yeah, to voice lessons. Sure. Like, it's just not just fluff. Like, you have to do it all. We're investing in you in as a kid in our program. So mm-hmm. uh, tell me about Voice Teacher Appreciation Week. Sure. So I just started this okay. this past year. You didn't even tell me about this. Um, I did a whole week of voice teacher appreciation where I wanted, it's like teacher appreciation okay. week. Like we made little gifts for the voice teachers that we gave them throughout the week. We had kids write really sweet, kind notes to them. Mm-hmm. Some of them wanted to give it to them personally, which I thought was great. Yeah. We collected the rest of them, put it in one of their gift baskets. We just made it a week where like we uplifted the voice teachers because They are a teacher, but they're not recognized during Teacher Appreciation Week. It's something that gives them a little bit of, like, love. That's a good point. And just like I I feel like voice teachers are an extension of our program. Like, they are vital to what we do. They're a a vital organ of our program. And I want to make sure that they always feel appreciated, loved. Because as type A as we are, we can make a mistake where we're like, oh my gosh, I'm so sorry I didn't send you this schedule. Mm-hmm. Or, hey, like my school changes schedules all, all the time. All the time. Or they let us know at the last minute. Yeah, oh, tomorrow's going to be an assembly. And it's and... like, I'm so sorry. Yeah. This just came up. Like, it's things that make them feel appreciated yes. because they are going to run into things that are a little bit annoying. Yes. Like, and I'm going to get on their nerves, I'm sure. Like, <laughs> And we're going to get too busy to, like, really look out for them all the time. And it's just kind of like, sometimes you're, it's the end of the day and I'm like, hey, Jen, how was your day? You know, just kind of joking. And, yep. and um, we're going to do a whole other podcast on voice recitals and what they do because, you know, it could be like six hours into this podcast and we'd still be talking about one topic. But because I know people like... They're like, okay, how many people do you have? They want real numbers, Clint. They want us to spill the tea. So we told you how much we pay, the kids pay for the lessons and stuff, how we do scholarships. And then, so Clint has a huge program. I have a, probably in most people's opinion, a huge (laughs) program, but I'll give you my real stats from last year. I had one voice teacher, Jennifer Winchester, shout out. And um, she was able to be there five days a week. I'd never had that in eight years at my school. So she was our voice teacher. And she was there five days a week, and she had about 50, I think, 57 students. So there's the real tea. Now, Clint, your jaw is going to drop, but Clint, tell us how many teachers, when they worked, days, and how many students. Sure. So last year, our stats were we had six voice teachers. Um, We had one, I would say we had two partial we had one that was half-time okay. and three that were full-time voice teachers. Okay. And we had about 100, between both campuses, we had about 160-ish students taking voice lessons. Sixth through eighth grade. Sixth through eighth Same grade. Same for me. I'm including the sixth graders that took as well was like in the fifth. Well, actually, it's so. grades five through eight. Oh, we you have, do fifth we have grade a fifth, voice Yeah, we do have a few fifth graders no that take way. voice lessons. I didn't mm-hmm. even think about that. Yeah, because we have siblings and they're like, yeah. oh, I want my sibling to take. Yes. And I'm like, okay, well, that's totally fine. Yes. Um, and I know that there are people going, oh my gosh, like, that is insane. And yeah, but when he says he's on the phone calling them, he's a very persuasive person. Like, so I'm, I'm constantly picking up the phone yes. and calling. And I also want to just, like, make it clear that, like, Jody and I, when we both started at our schools... Nothing. Nothing. There were nobody... There was no one nothing. in lessons. 
And also, the first year out, it, it wasn't like, oh my gosh, we had 100 kids take... No. Like, no, it was I think like, I had like, I don't know, 15 my first year. I was so excited. And then it grew. And even mine still, I mean, that was one of my, um, like, we have T-tests, which is like how we get evaluated in Texas. One of my goals was to have more kids in voice lessons because I still... Like, compared to how many students I have enrolled in choir, I would like a higher percentage in voice lessons, even though some people may be like, 57, what? You know, but I would like more. <laughs> right, absolutely. And there's nothing wrong with that. Just know that, like, starting small is totally okay. Yes. Like, it will eventually grow. But just like a plant, you mm -hmm. can't expect it to just sit there and grow on its own. You have to water it. What? <laughs> <laughs> So, that explains so much. I know. Maybe <laughs> all my plants have died. Sorry, Oh my George. gosh. I feel like I need to go right now and go help my planties. So just remember, you have to give it love and care and yeah. make sure that you're putting in the time and effort. It's a to... long game. It's a long game. Not Absolutely. A short game. It, it takes a lot to do it, and it, but it's not impossible. All right. Well, thank you so much for tuning in. And we hope you have a fabulous week wherever you are. And stay tuned for next Monday's episode of The Choir Chronicles. Thank you for tuning in to this week's episode of The Choir Chronicles. If you are interested in booking Clint or Jody for professional development, a one-on-one -on -one coaching session, or to clinic your choir, please email us at thechoirchronicles at gmail.com. Also, did you know I have a Teachers Pay Teacher store called The Choir Queen with over 100 lesson plans and resources just for middle school choir? You can head to my website, www.thechoirqueen.com, to access more information. And as always, if you'd like to hear about a specific topic or ask us any questions, please reach out to us via Gmail, Instagram, or Facebook. Tune in next week for more tips and tricks.